Hey guys, it's Lisa and Rebecca from the Secret Life of Weddings podcast. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, a wedding podcast. It's it's really not what you think. Not at all. We tell the world's craziest true wedding stories. This is insanity. Like we're talking the bride is pregnant with the best man's baby. A man dunks his entire head into a chocolate fountain. Lisa's not kidding. This stuff is legit crazy. Come check us out in the Secret Life of Weddings podcast. And remember, anything can happen at weddings. And we will be here to tell you all about it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap and review romance novels while going on short tangents, generally being ridiculous and loving each other. This week's Patreon shout-out goes out to Leanne M. Leanne, you are a mermaid. Graceful and enthusiastic, you feel emotions with your whole being. Like the ocean you inhabit, you don't half-ass anything. When you're warm and welcoming, it's pure, serene bliss. When a storm hits, you can be just as tempestuous as the tallest wave. Drawing on the wisdom of the vast sea, those around you would do well to respect your opinions and ideas. And within all of that is an innate beauty of spirit that draws people to you. Protective and solicitous, you'll attempt to rescue even the most broken sailor. All right, without further ado, let's get into our discussion of Tiffany Rice's The Red. This is erotica, people, so we go places. Listen accordingly. Oh, hi, Erin. <laughs> hi, Melody. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty wonderful. Can I tell you about Ember's newest skill? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a pause there because Erin was showing me how she was drinking out of her new Bing Boong Bong Heaving Bosoms mug. Bing Boong Bong <laughs> terrific <laughs> birthday presents with Melody. <laughs> Yay. Cheers, as Ember would say. Doesn't it look great? All right. Sorry. Bing, boom, bong, banter time. Yeah. So Ember's newest skill, he's so good at it. And that is making raspberries. Oh, like the kind? Oh, yeah. He has discovered the art of putting his mouth onto any piece of flesh or leather couch Mm -hmm. and turning it into the most just championship (laughs) fart noise. (laughs) And... He started doing it to like say goodnight. I'll, I'll uh-huh. be like, all right, give me kisses. And he'll give me a kiss on the mouth. And then he turns my head and they'll give me a kiss on the cheek. And then he turns my head and he puts a kiss on the other cheek. And then he'll turn, he'll, then he'll look at me and he'll go, he'll go, I want to do raspberry. And I'm like, yeah. all right, go ahead. So he turns my cheek again and then right just <laughs> attaches his little pleco <laughs> mouth to my cheek and huge raspberries right on my cheek and then does it to the other side too i love and doing raspberries i think it's hilarious i do it on david all the time he hates oh my it God. they're so fun yeah my favorite humor is toddler humor you know what i mean like uh-huh. I, I don't i have the perfect playmate right now he's hilarious do you think <laughs> that the word raspberry translates into all the different countries that listen to this i don't think so you guys Maybe it's not. when you put your face on skin and you make a vacuum and you go like that yeah (laughs) 
it never gets old. It never does. It's best to do it on stomachs. Oh, That's yeah. That's the best place because it's also tickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he'll present like his feet to me and he'll go, raspberry on my peat. Yeah, yeah, because it's tickly. It's fun. Yeah. Are you exhausted from your journey? I'm so you had exhausted. a big trip. I went to Chicago. I saw Hamilton. Oh, shit, in I Chicago didn't know that. with my mom. Yeah, we got like last minute standby tickets. It was great. Amazing. Um... What else did we do? <gasps> Wedding, dress, shopping. But you guys were there. You Wedding, know that. Wedding, dress, shopping. Yeah, if you're part of the cult, you got to weigh in on several of the dresses yeah. that Aaron tried on. So there's so one of those six dresses was like even remotely I liked it. <laughs> 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 one of those dresses was, <gasps> this is the dress. And the other five were like, get this off of me. Mm. Which it's really funny because... The even split of people voting on that in the geriatric friendship cult was hilarious to me. And guys, the one you liked the best was not the one I liked. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's one I just tried on a lark in Anchorage that I'm I'm worried it could also be a contender. So I'm going to try them both on and see which one it's going to be. But I think it's going to be one of the six pictured in the Whoa. cult. You like the one I tried on in Anchorage though. I liked I liked the other one too. So, uh-huh. I mean, you know, it just it depends on which one you feel like you can spend the whole day in and that mm-hmm. you're going to feel totally beautiful in. And if that's not the one I like a tiny smidgen more than whatever. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. great. Like <laughs> Fair, fair, fair. So I'm not going to tell you guys which one I picked until I pick it. So a lot of people were like, which one did she pick? And the answer is probably not the one you liked because (laughs) not very many people like the one I liked. But guys, you just got to see them in person. You guys know that pictures don't do dresses justice. Especially in like those fitting situations because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can never quite get them onto the right part of your body. Like before it's tailored, Mm -hmm. it's it's harder. It's hard to see the sparkle and the sheen. It's hard to see the energy that you give off when Mm -hmm. you wear it. And the color even. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that was still really exciting. I'm glad I did it. And you know what? There is a wedding in the book we're going to talk about today. Is there? I mean, in the future, if we got an epilogue. Oh. <laughs> well, that's, isn't that every book? <laughs> I'm going to send that about Split. What? Don't talk to me like that. Okay. Sorry. Don't even you know they up. got married, the three of them. <laughs> this I found to be a, like a very appropriate chaser to split actually it was awesome because this brought up a lot of the issue like a lot of the things that were uncomfy about mm. split but yeah. since it's written good <laughs> um <laughs> sorry yeah it was like not uncomfy I yeah. loved this book I did too this is like I top really, five really loved it yeah and it's so deliciously super duper weird. Yeah. And I could feel like when I posted, there was a deal on the red like a couple months back. So I posted like, hey, guys, go out and get it because, um, you know, hint, hint, we're going to eventually read this. Right. And Tiffany Rice commented something to the effect of like, 
uh, it's not really a romance novel. It's yeah. weird porn. Like, I think she was a little worried about us reading this, maybe. She should not have been. She should not have been, because this was fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah, it's very up our street. Yes. In, very, in, in odd ways, which I, of course, I always love. Yes. You know what, though? I was thinking about this. This is a romance novel just as much as goddamn Knight in Shining Armor was. Except oh. once again, it was written good. <laughs> and I, I liked it, the people in it. <laughs> I think it is all the things it has been described as. I believe this to be mm-hmm. a romance novel. I believe this to be an erotic fantasy. I yes. believe this to be straight up porn, as yes. Tiffany Rice described it. I think it's all yeah. those things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So should we just dive right in? Yes. Excellent. Okay. All right. So we have Mona. Her name is Mona Lisa St. James, and the novel opens up. She is balancing the books for the art gallery that she owns called The Red. That she's inherited from her mother. Yes, she's inherited from her mother, um, and her mother recently passed away from, I think, cancer. Um, Something slow, because she makes the comment of, like, if her mom had a quick death, she may have been able to be in the green with The Red. Um, but instead, because green, black, the black. Is it black, it's black. Yeah. Oh, if you're in the black, then you've got some monies. If you're in the red, then you're in debt. <laughs> well, when you do supplies in the army, it's green, black, and red. No, and I green agree. means you've got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think that green makes sense because you got those Della Della bills, you know? Right. So <laughs> Mona Lisa St. James is balancing the books and she's like, you know what? I finally have to come to terms with the fact that I have to close down the gallery. I made a deathbed promise to my mom that I would do whatever I could possibly figure out on this earth or anywhere else to keep the red open, but it's just not feasible. And so she looks at at Tutu, her her beautiful Mm -hmm. gallery cat that her her mom picked up as a stray a while ago and she's like, Tutu, it's over. But it's I'll take done. you to my house and you'll live with me forever. Hipsters like going to art galleries, but they don't like buying shit. So no. art galleries are no longer. Yeah. Oh, also, the first time I read this book, I thought it was set in New Orleans. The second nope. time I read this book, I thought it was set in New York. I still don't know. Oh, I thought it was in New York. Probably. I don't know why my brain thought it was New Orleans. I think it's because it's my favorite city. I don't know. Anyway, it would make sense if it was in New York. So she goes out. She leaves her office and she goes out into the main area. And all of a sudden, there is a man in a three-piece suit standing there staring at this painting that's pretty worthless it's worth like a couple of thousand dollars and it's pretty Mm -hmm. mundane Mm -hmm. and they she's like sir we're closed and he's like well i heard you're closing you're in the red and she goes yes so are you so so we are closed and the gallery is called the red like they sort of have a who's on first conversation Mm -hmm. with i thought was adorable (laughs) Uh would you like to know what he looked like Yes, please read it. Because he was tall and broad-shouldered and wore a three-piece black suit. He had one hand on his hip, one hand on his chin. Although his clothes were modern and he looked about 40 years old, there was something about him that looked old. No, not old. Old world, perhaps. Yes, that. Old world. She could think of no other way to describe him, but it was the hair. That was it. He wore his hair in a style that would have best belonged to a Regency-era lord. 
black and tousled, rakish even. He reminded her of Eugene Delacroix's dashing portraits, dark eyes, black heart. To Mona, he looked like the devil gone courting. (laughs) 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 So they do this who's on first conversation and eventually he He tells her to check out the painting. Yeah. He's like, I really think that you should have this looked at. Don't you have a machine that can see underneath it? And she's like, well, yeah, there are x-ray machines and stuff, but uh, it's sort of expensive and I don't have one. And he's like, do that and I will come back next week. Right. So instead of one painter, it's actually the other painter. She starts kind of, there's a little chip and she chips it away on the signature and she realizes there's a different signature under it. And I don't know a lot about art history, guys, but the guy who was the older painter's, like, protege painted over one of his paintings, and the old painter was, like, way more famous and good. Yeah, Joshua Reynolds. Sure. So they restore this thing back to the original and find a totally new painting of this more famous artist that's yeah, worth and it's, it's way more. Yeah, and it's like five mil. Yeah. And now she's in all the newspapers and everything because of this incredible discovery. So he shows back up and he's like, hey, so you did your due diligence and I came mm-hmm. through, right? And she's like, yeah, I mean, if you want the finder's fee, they're, yeah. they're giving me 50K for finding it and I didn't find it. So you can have it. And he's like, actually, I want you to put it toward the gallery because I want to help you save your mother's gallery. This is where he starts getting a little cryptic, though, because he says, I would like to be even more generous with you. And she's like, why? And he says, I have my reasons and they are very good reasons, but you wouldn't understand them. Not yet. But eventually I will reveal all to you if you agree to let me help you. So like he's magic. Like I'm pretty certain he's some kind of magic. Like he's a vampire magic or he's a devil magic. Right. Some kind of magic. I don't know who he sold his soul to, but somebody has it and it's not him. Yeah. And meanwhile, you guys, if you were thinking that I want to be very generous with you is a double entendre, you are correct. Uh Uh-huh. Because he would like to be generous in so many ways. So (laughs) she says, I'm half a million in debt. I don't think anyone can help me. He says, I've given you no reason to doubt me. She says, what is it you want from me? He says, may I be blunt with you? Yeah, be blunt, be blunt. I prefer it. (laughs) He says... I very much wish to fuck you. Yes. And so yes, begins ma'am. what a wonderfully bl- blunt book. Okay. <laughs> so, so he's like, oh, too blunt. And she's like, nope, nope, nope. Nope. So he's like, why don't we adjourn to your office where business is discussed? We wouldn't yeah. want it to get jealous of us, would we? You guys, their banter is just outstanding. Yeah. He tells her he's super into like very fancy, elegant prostitutes and would like to uh-huh. make her a super fancy, elegant prostitute. She uses the word prostitute. He's like, I prefer to call them whores. Yeah. And he's and- like, and and unlike fucking Split, I didn't mind a single time he said the word whore because no. he did not do it in a derogatory manner. It wasn't a pejorative when it came out of his mouth. Right. It, and it in was- fact, he said it with reverence. Like- oh, so much reverence like he, he just wanted to worship much, at her whore yeah. altar mm-hmm. he oh. talks about how much he respects whores because they know what they're worth yeah what they have and what they're worth mm-hmm. and he said he can't respect any woman that gives it away for free yeah. when she could be paid so much dollar bills for it 
Uh-huh. And um, he talks uh. about how, you know, he, he really likes the word cunt, throws it around Loves often. It. He Which I do too. Reclaim how, cunt. Reclaim cunt. How that is an organ of the body, but so is the brain. So whether I use you for your brain or your cunt, what does it matter? She's, yes. she's like, yeah, I'm getting this logic that you're throwing down. She's uh-huh. into it. I am also into it. So then she's like, hey, P.S., you could have seduced me for free. It basically gives her an opportunity to tell him how devilishly handsome he is Mm -hmm. because she never thought that she could use the phrase devilishly handsome in any kind of uh, appropriate way. But boy, does it suit him. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, basically the terms he wants to owe. So one thing... She gets a little haughty later on in the book. She gets a little upset about some things, which we mm-hmm. will absolutely dive into. But his thing is, I'm going to save your gallery. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to, like, the terms he lays out are one year, once every one or two months. Mm-hmm. It'll be a long night that we spend together, but it's only going to be once every one or two months. And carte blanche. Yeah. And she's like, well, that sounds a little scary, actually. He goes, I completely understand why it would. Mm-hmm. I will not maim you. I will not hurt you, like, in any kind of permanent way. Um, Specifically, he says, yeah. will there be bites? Of course. Bruises? <laughs> Undoubtedly. <laughs> One can hardly kiss a girl as pale as you without leaving a mark. Will I make you bleed? Probably not, but it's happened before. But I won't pull out your fingernails or submit you to water torture. If you genuinely thought I wanted to do you real harm, I wouldn't be in this office negotiating with you, would I? Mm. So it's just complete like blank slate. She has no idea what's coming. Yeah. And they talk a little bit about she's 25 years old and he's like, it's what is she? He says like young enough to be reckless and old enough to know old enough to know better, but young enough to do it anyway. And yes. I think that is exactly what 25 years old is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. But I will say, bing, boom, bong. Mm-hmm. Safe sex work with oh Melody. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just carte blanche for an entire year is maybe something you really want to think about upon first meeting another human. Sure. Uh, there can be contracts. You are fully entitled to draw up actual contracts. You sure. are fully entitled to get into very, very specific acts, very, very specific toys. Whether or not you're into breath play, I feel like would have been an appropriate topic to bring up at this point. Because as we've covered in the last two episodes, strangulation is maybe not something to fuck around with unless you're with a really, really knowledgeable partner. Never. So also or never, if that's not your thing, if it is your thing, I'm not here to judge. If it is your thing, it's very dangerous. And please try to find a way to make it not your thing because it's very dangerous. Just be the most careful ever. Here's the thing. (laughs) This book is so (laughs) off the chain, crazy out of this world. Yeah. I don't mind carte blanche. Like it. No, no, no. It's whatever. I would much prefer a book like this that's just like whatever is going to happen and this is like a crazy, super bonkers fantasy than my BDSM novels with a with a contract where everything's a hard limit, dear God, Fifty Shades no, of Grey. No, I, I totally I hear that. much prefer this to what are butt plugs y- in yes. my BDSM erotica. <laughs> obviously, obviously. However... I am just saying that this was one of the only times where she got pissed off about something he may or may not have done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did you or did you not say carte blanche? Well, I did it. But because yeah, but that's true. She but had like, no reason to be upset. 
that's what she agreed to. When you agree to carte blanche with a human, you don't think you're going to get fucked by a minotaur. I mean, I am not. I don't Sorry, think you're wrong. Bing bong, but boom that's, bong. That's spoilers with Aaron. She's about to get fucked by a minotaur. And that's not even, you don't, you don't put magic into the equation. When no, you, when no, you no, 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 no. But no, stop it, Aaron. That's not what she's upset about. What she's upset about yeah. is that she thinks he may have put something in her wine to drug her into hallucinating and to that i say did you or did you not agree to carte blanche true (laughs) that is true okay you made the agreement okay so he's gonna give her how much millions of dollars or something half a million dollars this is my other thing this Um, is my other thing he has come through with the Moreland, right? This, this, um, sorry, this Joshua Reynolds situation and gotten her 50K. Uh-huh. And then he's like, I'm going to pay you in the the currency of your trade. I'll pay you in art. Yes. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, are you going to supply provenance? And he's like, absolutely. I will supply provenance upon the end of the year. So what she has agreed to is carte blanche with, well, she doesn't know this, with a magical being. Uh-huh. And she's done so taking sort of prepayment in kind, but that mm-hmm. she actually cannot cash until the year is up. Mm-hmm. So she has not agreed to being paid for each sex act. She has agreed to being paid by the end of the year, which is Fair. another bonkers town decision that I don't understand, but yes. which is fine. I totally like I, I was there. But I'm just saying, these are the things that this lady has sat across a mahogany desk and been like, I am an excellent businesswoman. Yeah. Bing, boom, bong. Do your fucking job with Melody. (laughs) She is doing her job. Her job is now a whore and she's going to do it great. Okay. That's right. But you usually get paid each time. (laughs) She did get paid each time and she had it appraised. So she knows. Yeah, but that means roughly nothing without any. And. And every time, <laughs> sorry guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but every time she gets a new payment, it's only worth like 50 or 60K without the provenance. So I would sit there and do the math and be like, oh, I think I'm getting fucked for almost free. I don't know. <laughs> I um, just didn't have any problems with no, any of this because I, it was full these of magic. Are not problems. During this conversation, he straight up hints that he like knows the devil personally. Um, like if this guy were yeah. in my art my art gallery, I would be like, he's magic. He's all magic. I'm 100% sure that he is magic. <laughs> so they agree to it. And he's like, tomorrow night, let's do it. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tomorrow night. Yeah. And he goes, I'm sorry. Does your cunt have a prior engagement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she's like, all right, so we're going to do this here because she has this brass bed that she also inherited from her mother sitting in the back room with like the erotic paintings, basically. Mm -hmm. And her mom was a teller of tall tales. She liked to say the gallery was named that way because it used to be a speakeasy and Mm -hmm. so many gangsters were killed there that it was called the Little Red Shooting Gallery or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so then that's obviously not true. But her mom also told her that the bed was owned by a courtesan before her and she bought it at auction. And so Mona doesn't think that that's true, but she also cannot part with it because it's one of the things that she loved about her mom and it's a really tangible way to remember that. 
So and she thinks about if her mom would approve of her whoring herself out ooh. to save the gallery. And the more she thinks about it, she's like, yeah, my mom would certainly yeah. be down with this. Absolutely. She was very into these erotic paintings. She favored beauty over truth. She would she would definitely love this deal. Yeah. So he's like, all right, this is how we're going to do this. He takes down a book of old paintings mm-hmm. and he flips to a page called Olympia by, I think, Mamet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be Mamet. I don't know. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I just imagined David Mamet like <laughs> in Fair. a past life. Okay. So it's this teenage woman and she is on a bed and she... it. It was a painting that like took the art world by storm when it was done because she's not looking demurely down at the ground. She's not shying away. She's not being an object. She's looking directly at the viewer in kind of this irreverent, like, what the fuck do you want kind of way? Mm -hmm. Just like, yes, this is who I am. This is what I do kind of situation. So he's like, I want to, I want you to wait for me thusly, he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she goes out and gets a velvet choker. She gets a wax because in the painting, she didn't have any body hair. Hairs, yeah. Oh, she gets new bedding for the bed because it was mm-hmm. white. She basically recreates this painting. Yeah. And then um, he shows up the stroke of midnight, right? Yeah, but she spends, she spends a while naked on the bed, amping herself up for this experience that she's going to have. She starts to think, like, would he be mad if I were, like, already getting ready for him when he gets here? And she's like, well, no one's ever been like, ah, you got wet too fast. She's like, kind of, you know, touching herself. And then, yeah, he appears, stroke of midnight. Oh, boom, boom, boom. All right, so they chat for a little while. He starts undressing um, in front of her and then he sits by the edge of the bed and what do they talk about he's very handsome when he undresses he says that he's pleased with her um he says that they're both going to enjoy it um he's got a huge 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 penis which she's a yeah. little bit nervous about yeah um they talk about whores a little bit and olympia um, she's, they talk about why Olympia was provocative, right? He says a woman with power, a woman who owned her body and wasn't afraid to sell it. That painting is art because it terrified its few first viewers. Art should be dangerous. It should say something to society that society doesn't want to hear. Ah. Um, so then. And then he's just like, start, all oh, right. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, spread your legs. Yep. Show me, show me your goods. And she spreads her legs and she's a little taken aback because he just leans down right there and starts um, starts putting mm-hmm. his fingers through her folds and going down on her. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're not even we're not even kissing. Not even cool. Excellent. Yep. Like she's she's liking it, though. And then mm-hmm. um, as she's just about to come, he uh, pulls her down and gets on top of her. And starts uh, starts having penetrative sex with her. And they, I think, come together. Well, he tells her she's never allowed to come without him inside her. That's one of his rules. Yeah, because he wants to feel her clenching around him. So they have penetrative sex for a while. She's really not oh. sure what she's supposed to. Sorry. I was thinking about when she saw his penis. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned it earlier and I just saw a line. 
So he goes, you're pleased with me? He asked, and she sensed the question wasn't a question at all, a statement of fact. He knew she Mm -hmm. was. He simply wanted her to admit it. I am, although I'll take care of everything, he said. I haven't lost a woman to it yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. So they have regular sort of missionary penetrative sex. Yeah. This is when it gets a little weird. She comes, I think, whatever. There's many yeah. orgasms we're going to gloss over, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. This is an erotica. He it, yeah, pulls time. back and just starts slapping her breasts. Oh, like, yeah. Just like spanking her boobs a little bit. So this is like the first thing that's a little bit, she's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and frankly, I don't think there's enough tit slapping in romance novels. You know what I mean? Fair. <laughs> So then she kind of needs a break. So they're going to take a break. My other part is that after, um, so she comes and she felt one muscle in particular, a tight little muscle near her cervix, fluttering wildly as Malcolm filled her with his thick semen. She was getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So they're taking this break. She pours, she pulls out a couple of bottles of water from under the bed. And yeah, she has like glass, glass bottles. bottles. She's trying to be fancy. Uh-huh. And that gives him an idea that he's now going to fuck her with a bottle. Yeah. So he asks her to put her legs as pretty much as wide as she can. She's pretty freaked out by this, but unfortunately, it's carte blanche. So here we go. Yeah. And in her internal monologue, she's like, I agreed to this and he's paying me. So actually, before he even arrived, she was like, I mean, he's paying for my body. I guess I don't really even have to enjoy it. Right. She says that to him, too. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, he's (laughs) like, if you enjoy it, I'm going to enjoy it. Right. She's like a little scared about this bottle situation. He says, I once poured wine, bottle and all into a pretty whore's cunt and drank it out of her. He said in a low and faraway voice. I love that. Like he's imagining. (laughs) He's like Evangeline, a freckled ginger. She was the bastard daughter of a duke. She asked, did she like it? And he's like, yeah, she liked me. <laughs> I, that's, <laughs> yeah. Well, my, and- so he goes, she liked me. There wasn't anything she wouldn't let me do to her. One evening I played cards with her father and beat him. Yes. I rolled up the money I won from him, slipped it in a bottle and put the bottle in his daughter's cunt that very night. <laughs> when I told her where I'd gotten the money, she laughed so hard the bottle shot out of her and shattered on the floor. <laughs> Coins went everywhere. I nearly pissed myself. What a sight. <laughs> and I said, neat. <laughs> Neat story. <laughs> what a weird. Oh my god. Also, it's like bastard daughter of a duke. Okay, he's so uh, magical. Coins, we're talking about there's coins, coins involved. Coin money. He's definitely which a magical seems history old person. Timey, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm, she keeps mm-hmm. on. He actually refers to himself as rakish. So yeah. I mean, we're we're getting some clues. We're getting here. some some breadcrumbs. This oh, is be- necessary. Breadcrumbs. <sighs> He can't Isn't just every so once nice? in a while think about how he's a magical historical man. <gasps> we get breadcrumbs. Okay. <laughs> so this is this is a long chapter where he does a lot of things to to her with this bottle, but basically he gets her to a point where she's got the whole bottle inside uh, all of it. her vagina, which is incredible. I mean, right? a baby has come out of mine and I still don't know how it happens. You and know, and like, like I still don't know how you like get a whole bottle in. in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then she she's like doing things it. with her clit, and then she like basically clenches it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Just> yeah. <laughs> so this was a lot. 
And then he leaves. Yeah. No, no, no. So then, oh, so then sorry. he gets inside her again oh, and she yeah. comes again. And then she's like, you didn't you didn't come again? And he's like, no, I want to linger in your cunt a while. Mm-hmm. And so she rolls over and she's like, I'm exhausted. Sorry. I have to go to sleep. So she just tosses her knee up uh-huh. so that he has access to her vagina and falls asleep with him like gently rocking into her from behind Uh as she goes to sleep and then when she wakes up he's completely gone Mm -hmm. and there is a rolled up piece of paper in the bottle i think the bottle that he fucked her with yeah pretty excited about it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's a degas sketch of a ballerina of course yes So she's like, I wonder if this ish is real. So Mm -hmm. she calls up the local Degas art historian person. It could be New Orleans. Degas is very New Orleans. He lived there. I don't I don't know. Something about uh, maybe it was just like the red. Like I I remember going into an art gallery in New Orleans that just made me like this book Mm -hmm. made me think I was in there. I don't Mm -hmm. know. That's why doesn't really matter. So she goes and and this is where she meets Sebastian. Sebastian, very handsome art appraiser who specializes in Degas. Yeah. He tells her for certain that it is an original Degas. He asks her where she got it. Yeah, they have this kind of fun convo. Yeah, and he's like, she's like, oh yeah, I ha- this guy is, I was sleeping with. And he's like, well, right. you must be some, you know, lay then. Yeah, and she's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, basically. I am. So he goes, I don't know who I envy more, you for having the sketch or him for having you. Ooh. Oh, she just kind of demurs away. And then mm. a month later, here we have, oh, Malcolm. That's our hero's name. Did we even say that? Oh, his name is Malcolm. Magical yep. history devil man is named Malcolm. Sorry, that's everyone. Right. Mona and magical Malcolm. Yeah. With the majestic member. Yes. Oh, boy. It's late. So she sees one day a book oh, open. I'm sorry. To- Gotta do a quick bing boom bong. What? Sorry. Here we go. Bing boom bong. Get tested with Melody. Oh, God. It's no. a magical fantasy. No, 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 no. I just, this is, uh, eh. here's the thing. <gasps> she goes to get tested, which is the correct response, right? But has she not waited the right number of days? You have to keep getting <laughs> tested because the incubation periods for different diseases are different. You can't have sex one day and then go and say, do I has HIV and get any kind of test results that are accurate. But HIV can take up to six weeks to incubate. Syphilis, I think, is like at least two weeks, whatever. I'm just saying it because it's mentioned in the novel and in practice, it's a great idea to go get tested because she also agreed to carte blanche no condoms with this man she had just met, which cool. She made her choices. Bing, boom, bong, segment over. Bing, boom, bong. Sex with mythical creatures with Aaron. If you are pretty <laughs> sure that the man you are sleeping with is a magical man, you don't need condoms or science tests. So oh, boy. HBs, if you're out there and you're like pretty certain your boyfriend is a mythical creature... <laughs> It's good to go. They don't get the same diseases. Don't worry about it. My head just exploded. <laughs> actually, this is a guy who might have syphilis. Like, likely syphilis yes! in this guy, actually. <laughs> when we learn all, yes! Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, there's a book open to yeah. what is the painting called? It's the Slave, the slave market. market. 
Yeah, and yes. it's bookmarked with the choker that she wore when she was Olympia. So she knows yeah. that Ooh. the next one she's got I'm to... I'm fanning myself right now. The, the emulate or whatever in the next... The emulate, emulate, emulate. Emulate. I can't say it for some reason right market, now. Is the slave market by Jean-Léon Jérôme. Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> so she goes into her back room and... The back room has been straight up magically transformed. Or theatrically transformed. Who knows, Erin? Who knows? It's so magical. To her mere mortal brain, it is theatrically, because he apparently has limitless funds. He's a super rich dude. Uh huh. He could have gotten a crew in there to theater up her back room. Nobody knows. Sure. So she goes to go in, and all of a sudden, she just gets grabbed. Yeah. Someone grabs her puts her up onto a like a stage situation and there are mm-hmm. four men. Oh, last time they were together, he was like, "Hey, I might bring guests sometime." Yeah. There might and be then, other people. Oh, four dudes in masquerade masks. Uh-huh. Here we go. Plus mouth. So he starts showing her off like, well, like you would at a slave market, mm-hmm. like the painting. So he's like, "Look at this tight little nubile lady i'm so good at this and (laughs) can i just say i'm sorry masquerade masks are so fucking scary if if you walked into a room (laughs) in any circumstance whether somebody's putting their hand over your mouth or not and all there was was like a wooden box and four men in masquerade masks and your buddy malcolm fucking run if, there's a, if you ever enter a sex situation involving masquerade masks, I don't care how magical it is, get the fuck out of there. Like, it works out fine for Mona, but, like, boy, were my hackles up because those things are fucking freaky. Yeah, no, anything could happen and you're probably getting murdered. Yeah. I mean, unless you agree to it beforehand and you, and you know all the players involved. None of no, those things no. were the case for Mona. Once masquerade masks come into the situation, <laughs> I feel the same way about masquerade masks as I do about, like, uh, like syringes. Like, I just have a whole <laughs> body reaction to be like, that doesn't come into my sex situation. No. <laughs> wow, Aaron, masquerade found a masks. hard limit. Yeah. <laughs> masquerade masks. This is one of my a hard, hard limit that Aaron will cop to. <laughs> on, on air. One's in a bl- there's a black one, a gray one, a red one, and you guys. And a purple one. Nope, a gold one. What's <laughs> <laughs> a purple one? Oh. No. <laughs> All right. Gold one. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah, totally. So okay. they start looking at her and they're like, well, and so then one guy starts palming a boob and then another mm-hmm. guy hops up and he's like, I'm going to need to test out her pussy. Mm-hmm. So he starts fingering her and then another guy's like, better look at that asshole. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at all her orifices. And meanwhile, I think, doesn't Malcolm have a finger in her mouth? Yeah, that's how the painting is. They're checking out the teeth yeah. of this uh, slave auction girl. She's wearing a purple dress. That's where you got confused, by the way. Okay, fair. Yeah, they're kind of like DP in her. They've got, they're looking in her mouth. They're looking at her they're hair. They're digitizing all, all of her places. And they're like, they've got her lifted up. Oh, yeah. They lift her up. Do they hang her on something or put her in some oh, yeah, kind of yeah. harness? They, oh, yeah. yeah. Her arms are above her head. That's what it is. Her arms are tied and yeah. on a hook. A so hook they lift from the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they lift her legs up. They're like, they've got her all different positions. And this is all from Mona's perspective. She's into it. Yeah. She is yeah. loving this. 
And I, I love the fact that like intellectually, she's like, I feel like I shouldn't like this, mm-hmm. but I love it. Love it. <laughs> and what's great, these guys are like kind of singing her praises and being like, oh, well, this one, this is a good boob right here. And then Malcolm is like playing the salesman. So yeah. They're like talking about her vagine and they're like, oh, it's nice, well formed, tight too. And Malcolm's like, oh, but she can take anything you want to put in there. She's uh-huh. she's really stretchy, guys. You know, like those <laughs> kinds of things. Woof. One of the reasons I love this scene so much, because I did ha- I did battle myself a little bit. We texted about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, sometimes I hate myself for loving this so much, but I also don't at all. But one of the things I loved about this scene is just that your politics don't necessarily have to uh, match your bedroom antics. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I loved that you watched her process this, like, I am an independent, strong woman, but I still am super getting off on the idea of being sold to four different dudes and, like, having them mm-hmm. auction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just thought it was a a really, really neat thing to watch. So then Malcolm's like, should I take her over to the bench? And I was like, oh, God, there's a sex bench. Um, It is crazy. It is a serious sex bench. It is a leather stool. And then in the center of it is some kind of leather phallus. It's just she, like this donkey dong. Yeah, that like she's it's a like huge leather phallus. herself on while they yeah. continue to prod her butt, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they put a they put a butt plug in her booty hole while yep. she is going up and down on this um this leather phallus, and then the man in red wins the auction. Right. Um, the man in the red masks. Mm-hmm. And, oh, oh. Malcolm had a goatee when he walked in. So everybody leaves. She can't see anything because she's still impaled on this sex bench. Mm-hmm. And when the man in red comes back, he's all touching up on her and then he lifts her up and takes her over to a wall. And he's he immediately, I think, penetrates starts having her. having sex with her. Yeah. Yeah. And so she and starts she, thinking, wait, I don't want to be having sex with this stranger. I shouldn't be right. having sex with this stranger. I agreed to have sex with Malcolm. With Malcolm. Yeah. And I don't know who this is. I don't yeah. want to be doing this. So she starts pushing him away and she's like, pretty sure she down. comes before this, right? Probably. She comes yeah. a lot, y'all. A lot. So she's like, put <laughs> me down. I don't want to do this. And he's like, no, not yet. And she's like, no, now. And the guy in the red mask says carte blanche. And she's like, that's for Malcolm. And then and he then takes he off takes that masquerade off mask, mask <gasps> and it's Malcolm. He's fucking that magic, you guys. Rogue. But he didn't need to be magic. He just left the room and then he put on the red mask. So yeah, th- this just, one wasn't that magical, but it, it, it still was pretty impressive. Whoa. <laughs> so then he takes her over to the bed and that's where they have anal for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. This time? I think yeah, so. Yeah, they do some anals. And then that's basically she wakes up the next morning and he's not there, right? I don't remember anything else of note in this sex scene. Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. She calls him the devil and he says, no, the devil wants your soul. I want your body. I really like that line. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And so now it comes to my favorite scene. At least I think so. There are so many good ones. She goes to the the desk and a book is laid open to William Adolphe Beauregaro. (laughs) (laughs) This has just been a smorgasbord of pronunciations, this podcast so far. Nymphs in the Satyr, four beautifully nearly naked women played on the banks of Halcyon Lake. I am the smartest. Yep. (laughs) 
They'd caught a satyr watching them bathe, and now three of the four water nymphs tried to pull the reluctant man-goat into the lake as the fourth nymph waved for the others to join her at the water's edge. They're gonna do some mythical play. They're gonna do some <laughs> mythical play. You know how much I love a nymph. <laughs> yes, but you guys, the look on Melody's face is so serious. It is not. It's like, you know how much. So she goes into her back room ready to go. She gets this like toga situation going. She's now this wrapped up in straight up magic. Yeah, this is I don't know how magic. she thinks this is money in theater. This is magics. Yeah, she she's not great at believing in magic, but the whole back room is like now like outside. There's a fountain. Fountain. There's a stream. Cobblestones. Yeah. There's a throne. He actually has goat legs. Yeah. Malcolm's legs are hairy goat legs and his ears are pointy elf ears. And this is a funny little chapter with all these it's adorable. They're very sarcam- sarcastic nymphs. Yeah, and they're goddamn delightful. Yeah. And everybody is there. Like, nobody is jealous. Everybody's like, ooh, the satyr's going to fuck you next. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but it's jokes. It's like, oh, no, yeah. I don't want to be doing this. Like, it's oh. that kind of stuff. It's really, really funny and cute. Like, one of them has sex with him and says, he got me. She gave a pitiful fake cough like a child trying to get out of school for the day in the heart. Heart? The yellow girl asks, at, eyes wide with wonder and concern, is the heart between my legs? <laughs> Pinky <laughs> asks. The girl shook her head. Then that's not where he got me, Pinky said. <laughs> like, it's constantly that sort of stuff. And they're just, like, so laughing cute. and delirious. So each of the nymphs take turns. Mm-hmm. He, like, catches them and, and bones them in different ways. And then it comes to her turn. And the three nymphs wash off his junk Mm -hmm. because they're really conscientious like that Mm -hmm. and they wash her off i don't know why they're Mm -hmm. preparing everybody in the fountain yeah their magic fountain Mm -hmm. also mona even after watching all the other nymphs be in on this joke the whole time he says bring her to me she doesn't want to come to you baby blue said yeah i do mona said (laughs) pinky glared at her oh right mona said no i don't want to go to him anything but that (laughs) Mona, you've been here the whole time come on try mona just yes and this nonsense (laughs) a little bit of improv mona jeez so she goes down on him and then they bone and then the rest of the time, he just chases the the other nymphs around mm-hmm. and fucks him again. Yeah. And it's a lovely, it's an adorable, lighthearted, beautiful little scene. It's a great time. Ah, it's so great. And like a lot of times when one of the girls is, is fucking him, the rest are like, they've got a, their arms around each other and they're like, oh, look at that adorableness. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're dancing and skipping and giggling. I feel like this scene is like your most magical world. Like. <gasps> <laughs> Like, you know how people do that quiz of like, would you rather live in Harry Potter or Narnia yeah. or whatever? Melody this would one. most live in um, chapter whatever this is of The Red by Tiffany Rice. That's <laughs> this right. Is, this is the place she would want most Sign me up for nymphdom. Uh-huh. That's what I would like. <laughs> 
Okay. How about the next chapter? A portrait of a gentleman. I don't remember what this one is. Do you not? This is writing crop time. Oh, God. Writing crop time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so. she gets the next art that she gets a couple months later is um, a portrait of a gentleman. So, it's a portrait of him. So, I think she just dresses. Oh, yeah. She dresses up in the dress that's probably on the cover, I think. The, like, long, red, velvety, backless Ooh, dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He's there. He's got his writing crop ready, and he's ready to beat the shit out of her. The living fuck out of her, you guys. Mm -hmm. He's ready to break her down. I was here for it. Yeah, so here's, here's the deal. He's going to whip her 100 times with the riding crop. 100 lashes, you guys. Wrap your brain around that. You can't do it. Don't try. You can't. But if you read this chapter, you're going to be able to because she does an incredible job of making you feel all 100 lashes, but not making it boring, which I think is a feat. A stroke of goddamn masterful genius. This is honestly incredible chapter. Yeah. So he's going to do 100 lashes for 100 pumps of doing it of his dick (laughs) um she's straight up like are you going to beat me brutally tonight and he's like yeah yeah Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. i am she when she arrives talks to him a little about how much she misses him when he's gone yeah she says the things you do to me i never dare dream them much less do them and yet when i'm with you There is no game I wouldn't play. Nothing in my body I wouldn't keep from you. You leave me and I go mad with waiting. You leave me and you are my every waking thought and my every sleeping dream. And I know when you were turning to me, I would count the minutes until I saw you again. (sighs) Hmm. And she says, no, that's a lie. And he says, what's the truth, Mona? And she said, I would count the seconds. So she's... She really likes Malcolm. (laughs) Just goddamn chills all over my body when I read it and when I heard it. Yeah. So he strips her down Mm -hmm. and she stands in the middle of the floor and for the first 50 or so lashes, she is standing in place and he is circling her. Yeah. And the really gorgeous thing about this scene is the juxtaposition of the incredibly painful lashes Mm -hmm. and then the sweet sweet encouraging comforting lovely Mm -hmm. words that he's whispering into her ear the whole time he's telling her you're so beautiful i'm so lucky that you're here doing this with me you're you're taking this so well you know my strong girl all of this stuff every time he does a lash he also does like a smooch and a caress and uh you know a tenderness there's a moment in the chapter where she's like i would take basically like a thousand more lashes if i got more of those words and tender kisses yeah she begins to kind of crave the lashing because she knows what's coming after it which i mean it's a beautiful psychological trip Mm -hmm. It's beautiful here in the vacuum of this beautiful magical fantasy story, but this is also why DV victims pick fights. Yeah. <laughs> so, I Some, mean... <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, right, the human psychology is, is. A, a really interesting space. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of times people don't understand why somebody who's in an abusive relationship would try to bring on the fight that yeah. causes the thing that gets them hurt, and it's because they're craving the thing that comes immediately after, which is They this, want the cycle is, to start over. Right. They want the flowers. They want the beautiful words. They want the I'm sorry's. And right. I get that. But this yeah. is a this is in a vacuum. This is a Yes. And it's one night. 
Mm-hmm. So by the time she gets to 50 or 52, I think, why why does he ask if she wants to stay standing or get on the ground? I can't remember. It's I just becoming remember. too much. Yeah, she eventually gets on the ground. I mean, whew, he starts whipping her in more uh, serious spots like uh, her vagine and her boobs and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's basically getting more painful as it goes. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of it, she's like on the ground um, crying, but still still wanting to be there. At mm-hmm. no point does she say I uh, enough. Mm-hmm. Then they have like slow sex. He gives mm-hmm. her he gives her the hundred pumps. Yeah. And she has to just as he had her count the lashes, he has her count the pumps. Yeah. So that she gets her her hundred. And she also talks about how because of the lashing, her skin is so much more alive and so much more sensitive. I mean, it's just, it's really beautifully done. And I think he massages her beforehand. He he puts oil all over her body and he soothes the welts before Mm -hmm. they actually have sex. And it's one of those classic controlled release things where he's like, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have you count Mm -hmm. and then you can come when you get to zero mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. oh i loved this part she was going down on him um and he says wicked girl you almost made me spill all of your face oh no she said anything but that <laughs> he says you modern girls are so hard to scandalize <laughs> uh, i liked it yeah more breadcrumbs all right all right do you know what time it is i think it might be Minotaur time. It's Minotaur time. We're going to the labyrinth, you guys. Buckle up. Let's go. Buckle up. Okay. (laughs) Buckle the fuck up. So next month, the painting is Dora and the Minotaur. I don't know what Dora's dressed like. I don't care. We're about to fuck a Minotaur. All right. That's right. So... We open this chapter by talking about how long her welts took to heal. There's some level of like, because he's so super magical of like, did these things actually happen? Was she dreaming them? I mean, like the Mm. nymph thing was very like, uh, how could this transformation happen in my back room sort of thing? Yeah. But the welts were real and stuck around. You know, a lot of times she falls asleep while he's still doing sex to her and then wakes up and everything's normal again. So exactly. the welts are real. So we know at least these things are really happening. They're not just in her head. And it's something that she has been able to hold on to. Right. She, she talks about the welts. Yeah. She's like, I, I, A, I love the fact that the air was turning a bit crisper because it gave me the opportunity to cover them. Mm-hmm. But I coveted these markings. Mm-hmm. Because it reminded me of what happened and mm-hmm. what's to come. Mm-hmm. And up until this point, she's been like, he's married. He's this. He's that. I'm going to ask him if he wants more than a year, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, yeah. Because she's been talking about missing him when he's away mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. So. I, she, it's lovely. Like one of the things that happened on writing crop night was that she kissed his boot buttons. Oh, and yeah. it says, with Malcolm, she felt pleasure and lust, but also pain and fear, love and hate. It was the most potent of alchemies. She would have sold herself to him every night for her life for another taste of those boot buttons oh <laughs> good stuff so good okay so now it's minotaur time get she your gets saddle a on we're going minotaur. to the minotaur so i don't remember so what she, she wears it doesn't matter doesn't care nobody cares she walks into her back room and it is straight up the labyrinth wait wait she, wait first 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 oh, oh, on her oh. desk there's a white card 
with uh, a oh, bottle yeah. of wine that says drink me Alice in Wonderland style. So she starts drinking this like pomegranate wine before he gets yeah. there. That's all. Okay. So then she goes into her back room and it's weird and cold and mossy. And yeah, it's a it's a full on labyrinth. Yeah, and yeah. she like she goes and has, she has to walk around. Oh, there's in, a like, string. She's following circles. a string. Yes. Um, and she gets like yeah. she gets a a scent of like a large animal nearby. Um, she starts and to think she that sees the wine the outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. She starts to think that she's maybe been drugged by the wine because she kind of sees the shadow of an animal. Um, she can feel like a warm sea breeze blowing around. Yeah. Um. And then she walks out into this clearing. She follows the stream into this, like, meadow. Mm-hmm. It's nighttime. There are, I think there's, like, a bonfire or something crazy. And uh, there's, like, a dozen witches. There's mm-hmm. a coven yep. of of uh, worshipping witches, mm-hmm. ladies who are worshipping minotaurs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and and they so they're chanting. Over. They're doing some fire they're chanting. chanting. Um let's see it's very ominous they lead her over this giant boulder that once again is supposed to be in the back room of an art gallery yeah i was trying to figure out they they bound her in some way but they definitely lash her down to like they tie her down to the boulder and i can't remember there were chains Chains. was it chains i couldn't remember if it was ropes or chains or what nope um yeah, she's pretty sure at some point she kind of goes in and out of consciousness. She's pretty sure she's yeah. drugged up on this wine. Um, the boulder is kind of curved, so she's like yeah. very presented uh, uh-huh. boobs and uh, Tits out. area-wise to whatever's about to happen. She's smelling a lot of smells. And then, and then this cloaked figure mm-hmm. comes out of the fucking mist. Yeah. And, and she faints again. cloaked. Faint number two. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and then she sees Minotaur Dong, yeah. which is apparently even bigger than regular Malcolm it had, Dong. It had a human hand, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, a hairy human hand. Yeah. Uh huh. So well, the Minotaur, with its huge, like it has a hand that's like even bigger than her head, though it's like yeah. a human big hand. Um, caresses her. She's pretty sure he's a man in there, but she's not. She felt feels like he's hypnotizing her. And he's like Andre the Giant sized. Yeah. Bigger. Bigger. Um, so then they bone. Uh-huh. He's he's fucking her brains out against this boulder. Mm-hmm. And she's into it. And then finally she gets freaked out because I think she sees underneath the hood. Yeah. And I she mean, this sees- sex scene is pretty incredible. It says even if she wasn't chained to the rock, <laughs> oh God, even if she weren't chained to the rock, the cock inside her speared her to the boulder as completely as an iron stake through her body. And later it says her sex felt like an open wound, the tissue wet and raw and pried apart. So he's clearly bigger than any human can possibly be. Yeah. And then it says she needed it to stop. She never wanted it to end. So she's pretty conflicted about whatever is going yep. on here. Um, it's like this. So it was coming. She could feel it. It was coming almost there. It was coming. The final spasm of unison. It was coming. The closing of the wound. It was coming. The sacrifice that brought them together. It was coming. It was coming. The man had pounded into her depths. She looked up at the night sky and saw all the stars turn red clearly like mythical shit is happening here right but yeah he pulls back the hood and mona screams and we never really get a description of like why she screamed 
because the next line is Malcolm and he's just saying, it's me, darling, it's only me. And then she's in the bed in the back room again. Right. Oh. This this read like poetry. This, uh-huh. scene. this scene was incredible. Yeah. I feel like if it was written by anyone else, I would have been like real squeaked out by it. But instead, I was really into it. You mean it. the premise? Yeah. The premise of this thing is yeah, yeah, yeah. horrifying. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Super duper horrifying. Totally. But, but it's okay because you're in damn. her head and... And it's gorgeous. So... She's pretty pissed at Malcolm because she thinks he drugged her. Yeah. And they have a long conversation about that. He insists that it was just wine and that she wasn't hallucinating, but she is pretty sure it wasn't. She gets the contract. Is it the contract she rips up? Yep. And rips it all up and throws it away and tells him to get out and never come back. Yeah. She's really pissed. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, I get that because, you know, hallucinogens and seeing crazy minotaur magics is really unsettling on the other hand i don't know what else carte blanche means like i don't (laughs) right she has the wine tested uh the wine comes back just pomegranate wine makes her feel a little bit guilty she also has her blood tested yes nothing there are no hallucinogens no um, amphetamines nothing to indicate that she was drugged at all so that's really bothersome Mm -hmm. and and so she's a still really angry with him but b second guessing herself because on the face of it he didn't do anything wrong so now she's thinking well with his millions of dollars and all the things like maybe he can get some sort of synthetic drug that Mm -hmm. can't be tested for um she's just she's going around around and around about it in her brain so a few weeks later she comes in and there's a wine bottle with all the little pieces of the contract inside it. Yeah. And she takes that message of being it could have been worse, it could have been a wine bottle. Like just generally it could be worse, like I didn't do what I could do to you. And then underneath yeah. the wine bottle is another Degas sketch, which she kind of yes. takes as maybe daring her to go back and see that Sebastian guy, which she does. Yeah, they've had a couple of run-ins that we haven't really talked about. But she goes back to Sebastian, and I think they go out to an art gallery of some sort. Well, they're going to go on a date, but he comes over to her art gallery, and she just answers the door naked. Oh, okay. So they already went on the date. I don't remember the date. I thought he was going to pick her up for a date, and she was just like, bam, I'm naked. No. No, they went on a date. No, she called him over under the guise of looking at this Degas. So before that, sorry. They went on a quick date to a gallery. It was only a couple of hours. Oh, I don't he remember kissed that. kissed her quick peck on the lips, and then it was over. And then Malcolm arrived to play Minotaur games. Oh, oh okay. sorry. Also, at the beginning of this, my favorite, one of my favorite things about the first chapter I forgot to tell you about is that she says, are you going to pay me to fuck me? And he says, no, I'm paying you to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. He tells her at the outset he's going to play games with her. He's really good at playing games. Mm-hmm. He tells her that she's going to see things that she can't believe. Yeah. And they're going to be real and the whole thing. So it's not like she wasn't prepared. I agree. I agree. And she pretty much regrets kicking Malcolm out. She super misses Malcolm. Yeah. So she invites Sebastian over to do some gallery yeah. stuff. One of my favorite scenes and she yeah she opens the door and she's like what's up i'm naked and he doesn't say a word he just pounces Mm -hmm. you know like you do they start uh they start having sex 
and he comes. Okay, so he, he comes, comes on her back. Then he goes down on her. Yep, then goes down on her. And then um, she's like, more, I need more, I need more. Can I do a quick and bing boom bong here? Always, anytime. He comes on her back. Yeah. Then immediately flips her over and goes down on her. And I could not stop thinking about the sheets the whole rest of the scene. Really? You don't flip somebody over and then it's on their back on the sheets. That's so gross. Why? I just like, it's you're like laying on it for the rest of the time. <laughs> so does that not gross you out? I mean, um, I guess they could move over. Like the bed is not small. It's on her back. It's not back. like a twin size bed. You can't move yeah, over but- when it's on your back. Everywhere you move, it's going to be weird and squishy. Just just lay down there for a minute so that it squishes into the mattress, and then you move over two feet. Done oh, and done. Man, Whatever. I don't know. Couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm just saying, I don't know. Because here's my thing. If a guy was rude enough, mm-hmm. I have presented my naked body to him. He has immediately gone from zero to 60. Sure. Fucking me. Yeah. Doesn't even warn me that he's going to come, comes on my back, and then he's like, okay, hold on. We have to take five minutes to sanitize the space, and then I guess I'll go down on you to make you come, too. It's just all I could think about. He flipped her over. Then after that, she flips him over into the same spot, and I'm just like, oh, God, it's everywhere. Like, (laughs) move, stand up or something. (laughs) I couldn't. I couldn't and I wouldn't. That's so funny. And what's ridiculous is so many more like unsettling things are about to happen. And so oh, I boy. <laughs> That's really anyway, funny because okay. it did not squeak me out at all. I know. I'm sure. So then he's going down on her and she's like, more, I need more. So he puts a couple of mm-hmm. fingers in her and she's like, more, I need more. So he's like, three fingers and then four and then more. Like just the whole fist. Just give me your whole fist. Mm-hmm. And so he is tongue in her clitoris while just fisting her vagina Uh and she comes like that and so then when she's done he he is like sort of paused during this this interaction Mm -hmm. and then after she comes well i mean it's varsity level stuff i mean quite is we're we're not playing in the this is not usual first date fair i can see where he was a little bit amazed by the situation yeah but he wasn't amazed yeah well he had, he pulled back and he fascinated was disgusted. horror yeah so for a minute i thought he was more just like what but it turns out yeah. it's different than it yeah yeah so then this guy just dripping in toxic masculinity mm-hmm. i'm sure has become he a is shocked which i understand but b The underlying thing in a lot of this is like he doesn't really think that he's man enough because I think he's looking at his penis and then comparing it to his fist and being like, I'm never going to be able to please her, Uh which just get over yourself. Mm -hmm. So he gets up and he starts getting dressed like to immediately bounce. And she's like, oh, I've horrified you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. I just thought you were a girl. The answer is yes. Yeah. But it turns out you're like an animal, which is horrifying yes and then he says you're a whore aren't you a whore and she's like you knew i was and he's like no i didn't i thought you had a lover and to please you he gave you gifts and she says he doesn't give me degas sketches because i fuck him i fuck him because he gives me degas sketches and this horrifies him Uh, i love it so then she's like well you should at least look at my fucking degas Mm -hmm. oh god i love this so then she takes him into she's naked he's dressed she takes him into the office pulls out the diga and he's like it's a fake 
And so she grabs it and goes to tear it in two. And he's like, ah, ha, ha, mm-hmm. I lied. It's a Dega. It's a Dega. Okay. And then I forget. What does she say to him that pisses him off so much? It's that. Is it really? Oh. It says He says he's certain it's a fake. And she says she pulls it up and starts to rip it. And he lunges and snatches it out of her hand. And she says, I thought so. And then laughs at him. He slapped her. She stared at him in shock. It had barely hurt, barely stung. He seemed as surprised by the slap as she. Mona laughed again. He reached for her and pushed her down onto the desk, onto her back. Mona spread her legs and he unzipped his trousers. And then he hate fucks her for a while. Yeah, so then he hate fucks her. They and then both come, I think. Yeah, and she says again and lifts her, fi- her hips to taunt him. And he says, you disgust me. Uh-huh. And then she's like, you know what? Keep the fucking day ga. Mm-hmm. You think I'm a whore. Now I'm paying you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're a whore. Yeah, and so then he is even more disgusted by her, but takes the sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he takes like it. the whore like that the he whore is. is. <laughs> I, I so love we this never paragraph. see Sebastian again, thank Christ. Yeah, it says, he was the sort of man who wanted a woman to be a girl, and if she was yes. too carnal, too sexual, a woman who challenged his primacy, his lust would turn quickly to hate. And to think she'd once judged Malcolm for preferring whores over other women. Now she understood why he did. She'd rather spread her legs for the Minotaur again than the sanctimonious man-child. Uh, good stuff. I have that highlighted as well. It's so good. She's also been having dreams. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. As they hate fuck on the desk, mm-hmm. a book falls yep. off of the shelf. And it opens to the painting of the bleeding man. Mm-hmm. And... um. It's this man who has a chest wound and he's bleeding out and he's obviously going to die. So this, is, so she's like, Malcolm, are you talking to me? No, that is not how rich men work. Like, he's just a rich man. That's mm-hmm. not how that works. Right. But then she starts having those dreams. Yeah, she starts dreaming about this painting that she saw that night. That it's Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So then she uh, she tapes up the, the card that he gave her that she had ripped up before and the contract yes so she tapes it up and she puts it on her desk like hoping that somehow he will see it because Mm -hmm. she thinks he's watching her somehow Mm -hmm. and she waits weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and she thinks she's never going to see him again and she's really depressed and hopeless and then a book is opened to the painting called roman charity Mm -hmm. and it is a prisoner in an old-timey jail nursing off of a woman because he's like starving right but that's not apparent to her i don't think at the beginning oh yeah she thinks that she's just like a courtesan in the like doing favors in the jail Mm -hmm. that's what it is yeah and this painting comes on the Ides of March. I'm sure there's some symbolism there. Eh, I just wanted to say. Okay. So sure. <laughs> I'm sure All it right. does seem like there is not one bit of symbolism wasted in this book. And probably oh, no. a lot of it has gone straight over my head. So Uh-huh. Absolutely. Okay. So she goes and she puts on an old timey Renaissance looking dress. That was her and mother's. She waits that's right. And she waits till midnight and she goes into her back room, which is all of a sudden transformed into this ancient Roman prison. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a pivotal scene. Yes. Because she goes back and she sees two guards and she's like, I'm here to visit Malcolm. Mm -hmm. And they push her up against the wall to frisk her. And one of the guards gets so frisky that he actually like starts fingering her Mm -hmm. a little bit. And she's standing there going, oh man, 
I like this. Like, like mm-hmm. Malcolm has trained me to be turned on by powerful men mm-hmm. who want to have their way with me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. So she's like, I need to see Malcolm. And he's like, ah, he's not going to be alive much longer. Just FYI. Right. Leads him down to where he's in his cell and he's starving to death. Super emaciated. He's like, his hair is totally like gray white. He's on the doorstep of death. He asks her for food Mm -hmm. and she says she doesn't have anything because they searched her. But she's engorged. Her breasts are engorged and she's feeling like sort of the letdown reflex that's happening. And it's really confusing to her because she's never breastfed a baby. And so she can't pinpoint what that sensation is Mm -hmm. and he like basically asked her to open up her bodice Mm -hmm. and she opens it up he latches on and she feeds him (laughs) and it (laughs) i'm sorry i just i'm sorry i know how much you love breastfeeding but it's just like it's so gross to me (laughs) and it's so much grosser when it's a grown-up man and i just can't i can't so here's my thing this is another scene where i was really conflicted because on the one hand i personally there are people that that can pair breastfeeding with erotic pleasure I am am not one of those oh, people. I have so no much. judgment. Yeah. No, I have no judgment for the people who are. Mm-hmm. But when I'm breastfeeding, I'm really just like, why don't you just skip that area if we're going to try to have sex? Mm-hmm. But I do really keenly understand the, the sensation of sustaining someone else's life with the food that you're making. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, and that, that, there is no sex in this scene. Mm-hmm. That's what didn't... Is there? Yes. Oh, after though. Way after. (laughs) No. So here's what happens. He nurses on both breasts. And by the time he's done nursing and they're done chatting, he has fully transformed back into vibrant Malcolm. Mm -hmm. He started as this emaciated, like, kind of person. And then by the end of it, she has given him life again, which... Is a pretty powerful, amazing it's feeling. It's super powerful. Now, it just grossed me out to my core. But that's okay. I, mean, I, I that. recognize that it's beautiful. You I also just, get grossed out. I get like, grossed by out the idea of a baby by regular breastfeeding, not because the boobs are out. Free the boobs or whatever. I no, just no, totally. Like, Bleh. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes. Okay, so that's why to me the eroticism didn't play into the actual breastfeeding mm-hmm. and. She was like saving his life. So I was oddly fine with it. So one of the things that comes out of nowhere in the scene is just all of a fucking sudden she's like, I want to have your child. Yeah. I felt this book is so well written, but this one thing came out of fucking nowhere for me. I'm like, you want to have his child? Wait, interesting. It didn't for me. Really? Yeah, because. I mean, I guess the breastfeeding kind of leads it into that, but I was just like. No, that wasn't why for me. I mean, it, it certainly it helped, sure. Uh-huh. But she's been she's been planting for at least like five chapters now that she misses him when she's gone. Oh, yeah. She knows he has other responsibilities. Yeah. She wants a piece of him after the year. Ooh, okay. She wants to carry this relationship on in some way once their end date is final. And so in her mind, the best way to do that is to have his progeny. Mm-hmm. That makes okay. sense to me. So she's like, I want to have your baby. And he's like, let's start now. No, he says, yeah. he says, you will. You will have my heir. Mm-hmm. 
Again, <laughs> he's super old timey. Also, he so talks magical. to her about how when she had sex with Sebastian, he felt it. It felt like he was bleeding out like the bleeding man. And yes. she says she's sorry. And he's like, no, it's not your fault. You didn't know it would hurt me like that. Oh, it's so good. And he even says, you may have my child. It's what I've wanted all along for you to have my next heir. Why? She says, a deathbed promise, he says. Yes. And so she inquires about that more. And he's like, no, you can't know that yet. So there's something mystical, magical going on. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then he's like, let's do sex now. And so they do sex then. Do they have sex in the cell? Yes. Or don't they go back to the bed? I think they start having sex in the cell, but it becomes the bed or something oh, to yeah. that cool. effect. Uh, because at this point, she's like, I have tripled down on this. He is magic's. I don't know what kind of magics he mm -hmm. is, but I'm into it. Well, as she says of the Minotaur, she says, you scared me so much that night. Was that your true form? Oh. He said, only the form of my soul, he said, a prisoner, deformed, half animal. You're beautiful to me, she said. I'll do whatever it takes to free you. Oh. It's great. So then she goes, is this all a dream? What's the only thing that makes any sense? And he says, you aren't dreaming. And she knew that was true. She was awake and had been every time they met. But if it were a dream, would you want to wake up? He asked. A good question. A fair question. A hard question. But one she answered easily. Never. Oh! <laughs> Swoon. All right. Are you ready for the luncheon I on the grass? I am so ready. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> we texted about this, too, and it was excellent. You guys, I read this thing, of course, on a plane. <laughs> 100% on a plane, the whole thing, because this is a very short book as well. It's only about 200 pages, so you can get through this thing real quick. Yeah. So on two different four-hour plane rides, I stopped to watch a movie or something in between. But So imagine reading this book without being able to text Melody. <laughs> and I mean that in a very specific way. I, I know all of you will read this book without being able to text Melody, but I can't. This experience was so hard for me because I just, I would pick up my phone and be like, ah. On a plane, I'm still. <laughs> also, I read this. The woman next to me was so conspicuously reading over my shoulder, especially <laughs> in like the bottle scene. Like she was definitely into reading about that bottle and that Minotaur for certain. Get it, girl. Yeah, and I just wanted to be like, "What you want to borrow?" The it? Yeah, the, the red. red by Tiffany Rice. Tiffany Rice. Buy that shit and one click that shit. The title of this thing is The Red Colon An Erotic Fantasy. So it's not like I could even hide at all. Like it says it in blaze <laughs> on the top of my Kindle. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, okay. okay. It's luncheon time. So she is so into this now. She's like, he promised me to save my gallery. He mm -hmm. promised me to tell me the provenance of all the sketches and paintings. And mm -hmm. he promised me that I could have his baby. Yep. I am stoked. Yeah. So. So the she... next painting is the luncheon on the grass. Um, two men fully dressed reclining on the grass. And then there's like a straight up naked lady sitting next to them. So she's like, okay. And they're talking as if she's not there. Right. And there's a few different interpretations of that. No one knows what the real one is. Malcolm does. Malcolm <laughs> can interpret the shit out of that. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what Malcolm's going to do. All right. So <laughs> I just, I'm just so worried about this because I feel like our podcast now has like a theme. <laughs> I am fine with it. Uh, okay. <laughs> So she goes and she's like, all right, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this. So she opens up the door and it is the luncheon. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's the it's meadow. The and so she goes to the door, closes it, and then just starts taking off all her clothes. 
and she sees Malcolm with another dudesicle. And so she goes and she lays down just like the painting and they're talking about some, you know, random mm-hmm. homogenous. No, that's not true. Very. What's a G word that means a lot of stuff? <laughs> Generous. General. Oh, <laughs> it's so late here. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So they're having this conversation, Malcolm and this guy she calls the Midnight Man because he has midnight blue eyes and brown hair. Um, And they kind of turn to her and say, don't people love relics? You own an art gallery, right? And Malcolm's like, yeah, she does own an art gallery. He's kind of introducing her to this younger man. (laughs) And then the Midnight Man starts smooching on her. She's into it. Yeah. Oh, Malcolm is going down on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While he's kissing her. Mm-hmm. Midnight Man says, you're a beautiful whore. I might just have to keep you. He's <gasps> definitely very into it. Yeah. Basically, we get just a, a beautiful little threesome scene here. Some DP. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Whoa. I Do don't not want to glaze I don't over it. Want don't to, you dare. Can we just talk about so, the child abuse and split, please? <laughs> like, no, we cannot. I would rather go nope. back and talk about that <laughs> than talk about the scene. You hold your okay. tongue, madam. All right. So... Um, Malcolm's like, you should, you know, have a full taste. And so he, uh, they start having Midnight Man and she start having penetrative sex while Malcolm's kissing up on her. And then they flip over. She's on top of Midnight Man. And then Malcolm just like, you know, does that thing where he sidles on up behind. (laughs) A reverse clownfish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is the clownfish on this anemone this time. And they do some DP action until everybody comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, Malcolm kind of thrusts in her in a very uh, violent way. Devil, she says, when he does that. And Malcolm chuckled fiendishly. The man with the midnight eyes put his mouth at her ear. He's terrible, isn't he? He whispered. But you want to know something? Tell me, she said. I'm worse. She saw oh. it in his eyes and he meant it. But where was the fun in taking him at his word? Prove it, she said. Those dark blue eyes of his widened in surprise and his pupils dilated with desire. I must be dreaming, he said. Why is that, she asked. Because you're my dream girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, so the Midnight Man is inside her and he goes, if you were for sale, I would pawn my soul to buy you, the Midnight Man said into her ear. I would buy you and keep you a naked slave chained to my bed. I would show off your cunt to every man who crossed the threshold of my house so they could see my prized possession and envy me. I would fuck beautiful women in front of you and send them home right after, still dripping with my seed, so you would know that I could have any girl I wanted, but you were the only one I wanted to keep. I would tie you to the dining room table and drink my wine out of you. I would let my dearest friends bend you over the billiard table and fuck your pussy and arse while I sat at my favorite club chair, sipping scotch and watching you writhe for my entertainment. Then later, when fucking you in the bed, you can tell me in exquisite detail how much you prefer my cock to theirs. And if you're a very, very good little girl, I would share you like this, a cock in both holes. And when you're an angel to me, I'll let you take a cock in all three. You're a magnificent whore, and I'd love to wrap you around my cock every day for the rest of your life. And she goes, the words were too much for Mona. <laughs> and she super comes. <laughs> um, okay. So then he they break apart, and the guy, the midnight man, goes out to the stream, and there's a 
peasant girl of some sort. They start boning on the the shore of the stream. Um, Malcolm and she have sex in the stream again, and she's like, "Who is that guy?" And he's like, "A dear friend. He's my he's my favorite friend, basically." Um, but he won't tell her anymore. Mm-hmm. And then she says again that she wants to like have his babies, mm-hmm. keep him forever. She, yeah, she knows that the year is coming up, but she wants to extend it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. So she wakes up and there's a letter for her from Malcolm. She's back in the regular yeah. back room. And it says, Mona, my darling whore, you don't know what a gift you've given me this past year. Although I paid for it and paid for it dearly, it was well worth the price. I know now all will be as I wished it to be. Someone is coming for me. I owe him a debt. As you know all too well, debts must be paid. But he kept his end of the bargain, and it's my turn to keep mine. As for our bargain, I admit I didn't tell you the entire truth at our second meeting when I said you were sitting on a gold mine. You thought I referred to your body, and in a way I did. What I should have said was you were sleeping on a gold mine. Open the bed knobs, and you will see what I mean. As for who I am, you will know soon enough. All my lust, Malcolm. P.S. Do anything you must, but keep me forever. So she opens up the bed knobs of the bed frame and she unrolls this beautiful oil painting that was rolled up inside. And it's a painting of Malcolm, who's a history uh, ghost. Old timey Malcolm. Um, so it says portrait in oil, 1938, mystery man. Um, so she frames that and puts it in a prominent place in her gallery, which is now super duper famous because of all of the... Uh, painting. I think she finds a couple other paintings in there that are There's, valuable. Yeah, there are some really incredibly valuable. <laughs> um, paintings. So now she's like super duper gallery painting queen. You know why I think I thought it was in New York was they keep referring to the Times. I think is the reason why I thought that, but I think it's nondescript. Anyway, um, so yeah, three months later, she's hanging out at the gallery. She's got an employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, <laughs> she can afford one of those now. <laughs> she's, got, she's got her one employee. That's right. And a new mystery man walks in. Oh, boy. He's super duper handsome. And Gabrielle, the new employee, is like, sup, handsome guy. Uh, You might want to like, she tugs out her bra a little bit. It's like, you should show some bra and get out there. She unbuttons some buttons. Mm -hmm. And he has the most beautiful midnight blue eyes. Midnight blue eyes. And brown hair, strong nose, strong chin, strong jaw, more handsome than any man had the right to be. He looked familiar to her, but she couldn't quite place him. So earlier on, Malcolm talked about his favorite of his heirs. Mm -hmm. He says sons, but then he sort of says he backtracks and says heirs. He says that everybody else was really, really boring. But there's this one guy in his family Mm -hmm. who is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so he's out in the gallery and he's like hey mona st james how much for that painting of the man from 1938 and she's like oh that's the only one in the gallery that is not for sale because malcolm said do anything you want to do but keep me forever so that's the promise and he's like well that's not a mystery man his name is malcolm arthur augustus fitzroy the 13th earl of godwick and I am Spencer Arthur Malcolm Fitzroy, and I'm the 15th Earl of Godwick, and that is my grandfather, and I deserve to have that painting. And she's like, well, it's a gift. It's my painting. It's mine. It's not yours. And then he's like, where'd you where'd you get that shit? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I got it in a bed yeah. that my mom bought. So it's my painting because my mom bought the bed. And then Spencer tells her this 
whole crazy, tawdry, amazing story. Mm -hmm. Malcolm was a real man about town. Last of the great English rakes. That's the one. Mm -hmm. He loved him some brothels. He loved putting on little theatrical plays in brothels for the rest of the guests. Mm -hmm. Probably very similar to nymphs and a satyr. Mm -hmm. And he fell in love with this one beautiful, wonderful whore named Mona. Mm -hmm. He relented and finally married a woman and knocked her up. And then like the next day went off and married. Yeah, he took Mona to Scotland or at least he ran away with her. Yeah. So then Mona's dad gets super pissed off and follows them. There is a big altercation where Mm -hmm. he's like, you've wronged my daughter. And Malcolm's like, every day of the week, what Mm -hmm. are you going to do about it? And he says, I'm going to shoot you in the chest. And he does. And he does that. And so in Mona's arms, he's taking his dying breath. And he's like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere but here. And he says, if I must sell my soul to the devil to do it, I will find a way back into Mona's bed. A whore will reign as the Countess of Godwick. You'll see. And then he died. Also, when he's telling the story, he says he married a woman and knocked her up and the next day left her for Mona. Quote, an earl's wife is a countess. My rather foul-mouthed grandfather called Mona his... And she interrupts and says, his countess? <laughs> and he goes, exactly. How did you know? And she says, an educated guest. Go on. <laughs> Love it. But he's like, this is my painting. I'm the rightful owner of this painting. He's my grandfather. And she's like, no, I, I had the property in my... Basically, legally, she's the owner of this painting. Yeah, because Mona, Mona had these paintings from him. They were mm-hmm. gifts from him. Mm-hmm. She absconded with them to America in her bedposts died the bed was right. sold blah 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 she makes a great point the painting was in the bed and therefore the painting is mine and always will be no court of law in america or the uk would disagree and you know it she said otherwise you wouldn't have asked me how much i was willing to sell it for yeah Boom. <laughs> and then she says i go where the painting goes right. period that i will never ever part with it we are inextricably linked and so he's like he just sort of looks at her for a minute and he's like mm. all right then and tosses her over his shoulder, grabs the painting off the wall, and goes to his waiting black car mm-hmm. outside. They do talk a little bit about how he's like, you know, there was, I did have this dream about a girl that looked like you. Yes, and she's like, with cherry red hair. Because, yeah. oh, I forgot, she has cherry apple red hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he says, they're only dreams. And she said, not only, Mona said, not only dreams. And he says, don't say such things. But they, they both yeah. did it. And then, so they're in the black car. And she's like, what the fuck are you actually doing? Yeah, you Let can't me get kidnap back to my me. Gallery. Yeah. And he goes, you said that you go where the painting goes. You're going to make an excellent countess of blah, blah, blah. We're getting married. Do you prefer America or Scotland? And at first, she's like, no, 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 no. I am. This could not happen. I am an independent lady. Yeah. I'm doing things. I have a gallery. Uh-huh. Blah, 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 blah. I just recently he, learned how to fit a whole fist in my vagina. I'm not getting married. Yeah. You know? Right? Yeah. Uh. But then he starts doing sex stuff to her. <laughs> yeah. And so he kisses her and then he starts fingering her. And she's like, man, as soon as his lips touched mine, mm-hmm. I knew I yeah. was a total He's goner. like, you're not going anywhere. The things I'm going to do to you. And she's like, what are you going to do to me? And then he gives her that <gasps> whole speech that Melody just read from the dream about tying yeah! her up and drinking the wine from her and having all his friends do her. Dream speech, bill your table. Yeah. And then she, she comes again, just like she did in the dream. 
And slowly she opened her eyes and she looked at him, blinking and spent. Scotland, she said. Let's get married in Scotland. <laughs> there you go. That's the end there. Ah. Um, but here's what the thing, guys. Ride. What a great ending. Yeah. But it's just a little bit stuck in your head how they had, you know, grandfather, grandson, DP you know sex what? with her. It's just grandpa being grandpa. Yes. <laughs> That's when I texted Melody, you guys. She, we're like going back and forth. We're like, is this like a theme of our podcast now where it's like incest double penetration scenes? And I'm like, grandpas being grandpas. That's right. It didn't bother me. I feel like it should, but it no. didn't. Because so many people have been like, wait till you get to that ending. But I super love this ending. Yeah, me too. It's great. Also, is it incest if one of them is dead? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Here's the thing, Melody. All right. You're having trouble. Here, here's necrophilia the thing. or incest. Here's, Which one? Here's what's going on. Go ahead. You're having a dream. Okay. Yeah. I can't be responsible for what happens sure. in a dream. You're in a, you're in a dream. There's a hot, sexy guy in the dream. You're like, yeah. I'm going to get with this hot, sexy guy. Then your All grandmother the walks up. And is like my grandmother was hot. Sure, great. That even more like the story. Yeah, your grandmother walks up and says, "Can I get in on this too?" At the same time, in a way that our bits are going to touch. <sighs> Do you go for it? You know, I feel like Nana has a lot to teach me. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! You heard it here, HBs. Wow. You know what? Here's the thing. That's only like an early morning dream. You know those <laughs> early, early morning dreams where they're like so fucked up yeah. because you're you're not even like in deep, deep REM. Uh-huh. It's like your subconscious can really, really, really fuck with you. Uh-huh. I've had some of my worst, most traumatic dreams in like that three to five AM time period. Oh yeah, for sure. That is what that dream would be. That's a three AM to five AM. You think about it for four days and you are wondering if you're okay in the cabeza. I kind of just wish that they would have took turns with her instead of been in her at the same time. That's all. That's all I want. Well, I mean, sure, to each his own. The other thing is <laughs> I think it's a little bit easier to think about because Spencer never knew Malcolm. Right, sure. He was long, long dead. Like, it would be more awkward for me because, you know, Nana was a, a prominent figure in my childhood. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. All so, right. sorry, Nana. I, it's a hypothetical situation. Please don't haunt me. Love you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, Great book. Loved this shit. 10 out of 10. Would read again. Loved it. Loved it. I'm going to read the poetic Minotaur scene again. Yeah, I mean, there, like there's now. so much in there. I, I feel like when I went back and read parts, I got more symbolism, more that you're going to. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Thank you, Tiffany Rice. Thank you. Thanks again. You never fail. You don't. Do you have a lady love? All right, Aaron. Do you have a lady love? Oof. Do I have a lady yeah. love? I have lady love. All right. I have one. Okay. I actually could. I could. I could t- shout out four right now. It's been. It's been a wonderful week. All right. First one is this actually was a brainchild after an email I got from Lauren C. Because we were going back and forth. She was like, I'm suggesting this book, but I really want to suggest Firelight by Kristen Callahan, but you've already done it. That was like her foray into romance. She was a strictly paranormal fiction, Mm -hmm. like sci-fi fiction reader. And then she picked up Firelight because there was a paranormal looking lady on the cover. 
and hasn't looked back. Like she loves romance now. She's actually, I think, becoming a romance author, which is really exciting. But I was like, I hope that you emailed Kristen Callahan to tell mm-hmm. her that she was your mm-hmm. seminal novel. Right. Like she was your introduction to the genre. She was like, actually, I did. And that is my lady love. My lady love is no matter what mood you're in, if you're feeling down, it definitely helps to reach out to people and tell them how amazing they are. Like, you know, putting good out into the world Mm -hmm. can definitely help you feel good about yourself. So if you have a moment, email an author who's important to you and tell them what about their work amazes you. Tell them how it's impacted you as a person or as a writer or as a mother or as a, you know, mm-hmm. anything really. And uh, spread the love around. That's my lady love. Even just tweet. Even a tweet. Yeah. Can help lift up an author's day, I think. Hell yeah. There was some discussion about it on Twitter a couple months ago. Like there was somebody that was like, I never want to tweet at authors because I feel like I'm, you know, bothering them. And no. I forget what author it was, but it was like, uh, never does it displease me to see a tweet that says you love my book. You know, no, keeps people going. Not at all. Do you have Lady Love? So I watched, yeah, I watched that All the Boys I've Loved Before movie. <laughs> All the boys it was so I've good. Loved and then I was just like, what are other little teen fallen in love movies I could watch? So on the plane back, I watched that Love Simon movie. Gosh, that's a little oh. delicious nugget of love. I haven't seen that yet. It is just sunshine and rainbows, and it is like, you know, it's not. It's not going to change the, it's not an, you know, provocative take on the whatever, whatever, but it's, you know what I mean? It's just ice cream. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. It's so nice. It was just a wonderful little, perfect little nugget. And so is the, the, to all the boys I've loved before. So great. Man, I've already watched that twice. I plan to watch it probably five more times. Doesn't it make you so happy? And there's a crossover actor. The guy that plays the sister's boyfriend in To All the Boys I've Loved Before is Mm -hmm. also in the Love, Simon movie. Fun. He's a cute little nugget, too. Everything's nuggets. Very fun. Delicious little nuggets. You know, another book that I... Nope. Another movie that I really like and is, I think, currently on Netflix Mm -hmm. um, is First Time. What's that? It is Britt Robertson and a guy a lot of people probably know, but I'm never going to know his name. (laughs) And it's all about these two teenagers, like juniors in high school, I think, and junior junior and senior in high school. They meet in an alleyway outside of a party as he's rehearsing this speech, this like love speech to give to his gal pal BFF. Mm -hmm. They spend the rest of the weekend together and like the rest is history. There's a really cool sort of perfect take on the awkward that can be a first sexual experience mm-hmm. and like the ways that people react to it. Like it's just lovely. Aww. And Britt Robertson is always wonderful. I'll watch so, that. Yeah. All right. First time. Cool. Yeah. So those are some lady loves. Yeah. And then you can find us places. Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at Heaving Bosoms Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Heaving underscore Bosoms. You can find us on Instagram at Heaving Bosoms and Gmail heaving bosoms podcast at gmail.com and then if you're feeling really spicy if you're feeling like (laughs) you can add some really amazing things to a group or if you feel like you just need some amazing in your life Uh you should send us a request to be in 
the Heaving Bosoms podcast geriatric friendship cult. It's because great. They're planning meetups in there, you guys. They're planning meetups. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. They um they started a whole thread about embarrassing professional moments uh-huh. after last week's episode. It's great. It is just the best place on Facebook, in my if humble If you're looking opinion. for book recommendations, if you're t- looking for haircut recommendations, yeah. or which wedding dress to pick, go ahead and join that Heaving Bosoms Geriatric yeah. Friendship Cult. You can vote on which right- wedding dress I should pick. That's right. Yeah, it's great. If you just want an, an endless supply of bear memes and mm-hmm. amazing gifts, that is the place you should be. And if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we will yeah. do whatever book you tell us to do. Probably not immediately, but eventually we will do it. And just so you guys know, t- our friend Tanya put up on the cult this week, hey, get, review them more, which is very nice of you, Tanya. Thank you. Um, but a lot of people are like, well, I listen on Stitcher. And that's fine. You can review us there, too. You can too. review us on Stitcher. Or if you want to just head over to iTunes and give a review, or if you've already given a review on iTunes, but you didn't recommend a book, you can email us later and say, hey, I gave you yeah. a five-star review. Here's a book I want you to do. I mean, it's it's not a very um, regimented system. So <laughs> <laughs> send us a Facebook message. Send us an email. We'll, we'll do your book. Yeah, totally. And if you want us to come into your earballs automatically every week, no matter what, just hit subscribe on whatever podcatcher you listen on. Yes. That's all you got to do. A little <laughs> bit of subscribing. And then we are here for you all the time. All right. Okay. Oof. I think that everybody should keep being a badass and love yourself as much as you love giant minotaur cocks well that's what i was gonna say minotaur dong yeah it's gotta be it's gotta be be. right love yourself as much as you love getting chained to a boulder and just getting pounded by a minotaur dong that's what it's gotta be yeah yeah okay yeah otherworldly size (laughs) minotaur dong yes So love yourself that much. Yeah. Everybody. And we love you. All right. Bye, Mel. Bye. Get some sleep. You too. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah! Lilas. Okay, back to the show.